Hello, my name is Jared. And my name is Elle. And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. Elle, on today's episode, we have you talking with our good friend, Evan Garst. Now, we both have, this is a very personal episode because we both know Evan super duper well and Alana. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about this interview and what we can expect. I sat down with uh, Evan Garst and Alana Johnson, and we were chatting a little bit. This is part of our neighborhood series. So we were chatting about the church that I attend and that Evan is a pastor. Um, It's called Una. And Una Church is in Kitchener, and it is located in a neighborhood called the Kingsdale neighborhood in Kitchener. And it is a neighborhood that is high needs. There are lots of needs in our neighborhood uh, where our church is located. And we're not in a building, uh, a church building. We actually rent a community center on Sundays on purpose. And so this, this interview chats about and shares the story of how we transitioned from one neighborhood to another, from a sort of um, middle-income neighborhood with, I'm sure, lots of needs, but perhaps not as perceived or felt or immediate, um, transitioned to a neighborhood that had uh, some more opportunities for us to serve and to um, to love our neighbors. And so this conversation chats about that transition and some of the stories of the things that we have experienced as we've lived into loving our neighbors in a more robust way in that neighborhood. And it's a very personal episode because that was a, a church that my family and I were a part of uh, being, well, we were a part of it right from the beginning, from the core team stage to the launch stage. We we did all that stuff together and you're there. That's where this is your church home. So it's exciting to get to listen to uh, stuff that you're up to in a very personal way. So everybody, let's give it a listen. We are here hanging out in Kitchener, Ontario with Evan Garst and Alana Johnson in Evan's beautiful living room on a very beautiful day. It is a nice day. And we are here to chat about Una, a church that I happen to love because I attend there. Mm-hmm. And we're having this neighborhood conversation. We've been chatting with people all across Canada, doing interesting things in neighborhoods, whether it's church plants or whether it's sort of like missional endeavors. And today we're talking about Una and the story of Una. But before we get started, we need to hear about you. So Evan, for those who do not know you, Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Evan Garst. I was born and raised in a small town here in Ontario called Lindsay. And a church has always been a part of my story. I was raised in a church. My parents and I traveled around when I was young to different churches doing music. Uh, like were you part of the Gaithers? Or? Yeah, well, no, we we, we wanted to be mm. a part of the Gaithers. That would have been really cool, actually at a certain time in my life. But uh, no, we traveled around doing special music and got to see and know a lot of different uh, people across the province. My parents always had a real heart for missions. And so we ended up going to Ethiopia for a year and we lived there. I turned 18 in Ethiopia. I would say that experience was really formative for me. What I remember most is this challenge in my thinking about how missionaries prayed and how missionaries served people in Ethiopia compared to how Christians and pastors that I knew here in Ontario prayed and served 
or didn't serve people in the neighborhood. And I remember really when I came back uh, struggling with church as it was existing at that time, I felt like God had invited me to be involved in work for him in the church from the time I was very young. So um, I got caught up in the emergent movement, if you will. Oh, Uh, those were the days. Oh, those were the days. They were good days of uh, kind of deconstructing things and reevaluating what the kingdom is and what the message of Jesus is and the heart of God for the world and how we participate in the mission of God in our time and in our culture. Uh, So there was a lot of challenge in those days for me that shaped my thinking about um, what the church is and what the community of Jesus followers looks like and what it's about. So that, that would be some of my formative experiences. And then you caught the church planting bug. I did. I did catch the church planting bug. I've always been involved in church plant throughout all my adult years. I met my wife uh, in Bible college and ended up, when we got married, attending a small church plant here in Kitchener called Cornerstone. And uh, it was such a, a great learning experience working with a guy who I mentored with for years, Ian Elliott. And thinking about and imagining church done in a different way that uh, really uh, invites people into a journey with Jesus uh, rather than just invites them to believe differently than they currently do about Jesus. And so when did you plant Una? We launched Una in the fall of 2009, 10 years ago. And uh, we gathered, we had been a part of another church plant called The Gig here in town. And that was a, a, a good experience. My wife and I and family were there for a year and a half. Uh, but we came out of that and uh, gathered a group of friends together to begin to imagine what uh, church would look like uh, in our time and in our city of Kitchener. So, yeah, there was Cornerstone, which grew to about 550 people. It became Cedar Creek. And then I was released from that church as an urban missionary to Kitchener, which is where my wife and I lived to uh, help support a friend, Rob Abbott, as uh, he and Becky were working on planting the gig and were with them for a year and a half and then felt like it was time to move on. And so we prayed and felt like uh, God was saying, you need to plant something yourself rather than uh, follow the lead of, of another. And so we gathered a group of people together and started praying about it and imagining what, well, what Una became. What, what was Una like? What was the community flavor? What was, what was going down? Uh, we had, as a core team, had developed a, a vision of um, looking at how we gather and where we gather. And mission and incarnational living was a, was a part of our conversation right from the very beginning. So we, our dream was that we would help each other in our own specific neighborhoods where we lived, like on our street. And we would have parties together and we would get to know people and have conversations eventually about Jesus and about the good news. Uh, So Mission 101 for us in the early days at UNA was our own personal neighborhood or street. We selected a a meeting place at a community center here in town in Kitchener because it was close to the highway. Uh, So our Sunday gathering uh, was simply a space for us as 
that core group or that early church community to gather for worship and prayer and the, the table. Um, we didn't select the community center thinking that the community center would be kind of the hub of missional activity for us. Uh, but that, that did change. We ended up growing as a church community to the point where we ran out of parking. And we had developed enough of a relationship with the city that the city wanted us to continue to rent from them. So they suggested another community center in another area of town. So our little leadership team decided to go and have a look at the community center. And we went there and prayed together on the site. And there was a general consensus among all of us. You were there, Al that this was the right move for us and that Kingsdale and this community center was going to be a new place of mission and would provide us with relationships and opportunities to serve in that neighborhood, which was a shift for us away from just focusing on our own personal neighborhoods. So when we went there, we talked about Mission 101, which was our own personal neighborhoods. And then we talked about Mission 201, which was us beginning to explore, build relationships, ask questions of people that were already in the neighborhood. What's going on here? What are the needs of this place? What's going well in this place and in this neighborhood? So there, there was definitely a shift that happened six years ago when we moved to the Kingsdale Community Center in Kitchener. What are some of the differences between those two neighborhoods, what, like between the community center that we were previously at and this one that we're at now? Yeah, the community, Stanley Park Community Center is located on uh, a main street uh, that's close. It's easy access to the highway. Uh, it's surrounded uh, mostly by what I would say are uh, middle income homes, housing. Uh, there's no high rises in that neighborhood. Uh, individual detached homes. When we moved to Kingsdale, Kingsdale is a significantly different neighborhood in the city. Uh, there are high rises there. Uh, there are smaller homes. A lot of homes are wartime homes, post-war. And uh, there's a very different demographic. There's elderly people and then there's a lot of newcomers to Canada uh, because it's lower income housing. So yeah, there was significantly different challenges that could be addressed in the Kingsdale area compared to the Stanley Park area of Kitchener. As you're talking about this, I'm going back through like a memory lane, yeah. remembering all that. So um, when when we first moved to, to Kingsdale, what were some of the ways that because I know there was a lot of intentionality to it, but what were some of the ways that we intentionally transitioned? our church community to think a little bit more about Kingsdale as Mission 101? Uh, we met with the City of Kitchener staff who worked at the community center and asked them questions like, what's not happening here that if it were to happen would be a very good thing? And so they responded to us. They talked about the challenge of food for newcomers, income uh, challenges. They talked about the need for youth and student programming. Uh, there were several things that they began to share with us. And so what we did in turn was we started to talk about those things in our Sunday gathering and in our groups and began to pray about it and say, okay, is there something we can do? 
we also just decided that we needed to do something like something had to happen to get to know people in the neighborhood. And so the city very quickly offered to us the opportunity to help them operate a event that would take place on family day weekend in February here in Ontario. And so we jumped at the opportunity to help them and shared cost with them. And that's, that is something that we continue to do. And every year we have the opportunity to feed and get to know almost 500 people in the neighborhood every year through that one event. I know that people from UNA have uh, joined like the neighborhood association and things like that. What are some of the ways that like people outside of yourself are connecting in with the Kingsdale neighborhood? Yeah, we've had, there's another organization that has that offices out of the community center. House of Friendship operates out of the community center and we had the chance to meet with them and have had ongoing conversations with them. They operate a food hamper program out of the community center. Uh, we responded to a need they had at the time to see another evening open up so that more people could come and get food. Uh, and they were thrilled that Una was able to say every Thursday, Una's going to be here and we're going to help uh, run and facilitate the food hamper that night. We connected to the Kingsdale Neighborhood Association uh, that meets at the community center once a month. And we've had a number of Unites that sit around the table and help plan events and brainstorm different ideas for things that can be done in the neighborhood. Um, and we've had Unites decide they're going to participate in developing a program. We, uh, a guy named Dan Grace runs a floor hockey program out of the community center uh, every week for children. And uh, he also teaches guitar lessons and uh, offers that out of the community center. And we've had different people that have gone and volunteered for a variety of different programs and different things that happen there. What is the, when I've talked about this in other places, people are always so stunned that we have such a close partnership with the city. Yeah. So we actually like do things in conjunction with them. What's it been like, what has the response of the city staff been like to UNA and all these things that have been going on? It's been great. We have sensed from the very beginning a, a desire on the part of the city staff to see churches or other people come in and help support and be creative and generate ideas and initiatives to contribute to the common good of the neighborhood. And uh, very early we used the word partnership with them. Uh, I think I think it's fair to say that we drove the idea of us partnering with them, uh, which they responded to very positively. And so we've continued that. Any event or any initiative that we do in partnership with the city or with the House of Friendship or with the Neighbors Association, we share, uh, whether that's in with finances or other resources, staffing, volunteers. Now, UNA provides a lot of volunteers. Uh, even though we're small, we have a, a big turnout of people and um, you know the neighborhood association and the city know that and uh, that certainly is appreciated. What are some of the challenges that you've experienced in getting involved with this more neighborhood focused work? Well I think you know to get really personal I suppose there's a challenge an inward challenge around power and control and as a leader or a group of leaders, you know, it's nice to be involved in something that you can say yourselves or as a group of people, this is ours. 
And that run, certainly I recognize that that runs fairly deep or at least used to in me. And the competitiveness of wanting to be able to say this is something that we did versus this is something that all of us did. So I would say that was a personal thing that I and other leaders at UNA have had to uh, to put posters together for an event and recognize that, you know, the main name on the poster is not Una Church. It's the City of Kitchener, the House of Friendship, and Una Church and the Neighborhood Association. Uh, there's a releasing that's necessary. Uh, and uh, God has met me and us, I would say, in that process. There's this entrusting of our initiatives to the things that God is already doing in the neighborhood versus us controlling and try to manipulate something that we hope God will do in the neighborhood. There's a, it's a subtle shift, but it, but it's there and it's a felt thing. So that would be one challenge. Um, I think another challenge is uh, encouraging people through times of weariness. Uh, any missional activity that you decide to get involved in, uh, it's going to, if you're doing it consistently over and over again, will become uh, moderately boring. Uh, it's exciting at, the, at first, but oddly enough, it becomes very much like, well, work. And uh, you lose that initial, you know, first love of being able to say, we deliver food every week. And then it becomes, oh, we've got to go and deliver food or we've got to go and help. You know, there's, there's a rhythm that you get into and it. It's the challenge is to continue to inspire and motivate people to recognize that when we are present God, by His Spirit, is present in a unique way. And we're being faithful in this neighborhood. Uh, David Fitch wrote a book, Faithful Presence. Big plug to that book, just saying. Uh, if you haven't read it, you should. Uh, but there's something to be said for Faithful Presence and a community of Jesus followers committing to say, this neighborhood is ours and uh, we're going to uh, serve the needs and also acknowledge the greatness and the goodness that exists here and partner with people who want to see the good. Um, so that would be another challenge is, you know, ongoing presence and motivation. And then we've had people come and go. Uh, you know, I, we were dreaming about some, one of our stories of our, the past is we were dreaming about some youth programming initiative and we were gathering some uh, people to envision and dream about a volleyball program that we could run out of the community center. And we were getting close and it was getting really exciting and the city staff were excited. I was excited. Um, and it turned out that the couple that we were working with that were really going to be driving this had to move away. And I mean, it was really on, on their talent level. If you've seen me, you know I'm not a volleyball player. And uh, to, so to see something like that initiative get so close and then it, it just has to stop. And then you're, you're left wondering, well, why? You know, why? We got so close. Um, but there's that, the challenge of uh, releasing again to what God is doing among you and what he's doing and intending to do in the neighborhood. Uh, so 
people coming and going has been a challenge for us as well. I I think the one you you said was the fatigue, or the like. Well, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, of which I'm in good company here. Yes, indeed. So sparkly. God bless sevens. Yes, indeed. But uh, yeah, sparkly new things. So I, you know, catches your eye. You're like, woo! But then when you've done it a bunch of times, it can lose the or just the fatigue. I think of. Um, the volunteer fatigue. But I do find with our Unites, that's our name for those who attend. Yeah, we have fun with our name. There is still a desire absolutely, to to be present there. And I think that's what causes people to push through maybe the, it doesn't sparkle as much as it used to, but just the knowing that you're there and you're present and you're, whether it's a Thanksgiving event or the, you know, the family day event or a neighbor's day event, which was not too long ago. People, People still come because you meet people and then it's so nice when someone's like, Hey, I know you, like yeah. you, you start to be a familiar face. That's yeah. a, that's a beautiful thing. Cause that's where relationship can happen. And I would say that, you know, another challenge just to riff on that a little bit, I think continuing and pressing through those times of, you know, the, it feel your ministry and work feeling actually like work. There's something that God does in us as his followers and as his children. Uh, We're formed and shaped in that, in a culture that is uh, so impacted by consumeristic thinking, um, where it's my needs and, uh, you know, I want something new and fresh now. To choose as a community to stay present and be faithful in the things that you know you can and should do. Uh, that shapes us as individuals, but it also shapes the community of Jesus followers as well. Uh, so there's something to be uh, gained by a community of Jesus followers deciding that they're going to stay in a place and serve there. That's good for our souls. Like it's it's good for our own formation into Christ-likeness. Yeah, and I would say that's another challenge that we've had to face is, you know, Yuna has grown... Uh, not just by seeing other people come to Jesus, but it's grown because of other other Christians have come from other churches that they've either uh, been hurt at or they're just struggling to figure out what church is now. You know, we talk about the nuns and duns. Uh, I would say that Yuna has gathered people that are kind of on the edge and wondering whether um, church as they know it has any value anymore. And I would say one of the challenges of leading a community that is uh, neighborhood focused would be working with people who are in the process of figuring it out. They're followers of Jesus, but they're not, you know, the missional incarnational life of a community. Uh, they, they still struggle to figure out and participate in. So it's been, it's been difficult to see some people, they, they have to go. It's like, you know, it, it, unit hasn't made sense for them. They haven't been able to get sorted. They just think what we should do more is probably pray and sing. And we sing. Uh, we love singing. But we even pray. We even pray. But it's uh, part of the work of leading neighborhood-focused incarnational missional communities is that there will be people who come along who do follow Jesus, but they 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 can't get who you are sorted out. Right. And uh, that's that's difficult. Yeah, I, I feel like that's part of the deconstruction thing some ways is like growing up, 
missional was not a word that was ever tossed around in my circles. Right. Or we didn't, being present in a neighborhood, that language would not have been present in my church. Right. That's not to say they didn't think they were being faithful or that I had a bad upbringing. It just was different. So my deconstruction was, in my faith, I had to reconstruct it, adding that missional incarnational component in. And sometimes if people are somewhere along that process, still the deconstruct, not sure what to reconstruct. Right. It can feel like a lot showing up maybe in a community that's like, we are gung-ho for Jesus in the neighborhood. And, and that may be completely foreign language to some people. And it just rubs in so many different ways. You know, when we talk about the good news of Jesus in our neighborhood and how the good news is shown in our neighborhood, uh, what we are saying is we're saying there's a lot more to showing and revealing and embodying the good news that the kingdom is active in here than just telling people that Jesus Christ came and died for your sin according to the scripture and if you believe in him and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you will go to be in heaven uh, when you die uh, that's that's good and true uh, there's a lot more to the good news and there's a lot more to the active kingdom of God among us that we get to participate in and uh, and we're, we're I mean, we're still learning that at UNA. Uh, but that certainly is a, a challenge that has to be faced and, and you need to lead through the, the journey. It's got me thinking. Um, encouraging things. Some of the encouraging things that you've experienced leading or that you've seen other Unites experiencing being a part of this. Well, I mean, it's great to see people who, our, our language we would talk about this way, who... At one point in their life, they were far from Jesus and they're journeying toward Jesus. And they're reorganizing and reorienting their priorities and maybe even lifestyle decisions around whether it's money or calendaring and, you know, time. Like all of the things that Jesus calls to us and invites us to, to do to begin to orient their lives toward Jesus. It's been absolutely thrilling to be a, a part of their story and see those kinds of things happen. I think we've had the opportunity to see people discover uh, gifts and abilities and talent in themselves uh, that they're able to use and contribute for the good of a neighborhood or for the good of a city. Like their story becomes more than just themselves and their own family. Uh, that's been really exciting and encouraging to watch happen. Uh, we've seen people come along who uh, feel God's direction in their lives to take on more ownership and leadership and participate more and more in the expression of the kingdom in our time. And uh, certainly you, L, are part of that story. And there's many others who, mm -hmm. the, you know, the Spirit has been among us and has brought people to life in fresh and maybe even unexpected ways. Uh, that's been just fantastic to watch and uh, participate in. And then watching just the stories develop, uh, uh, like people that we've had the opportunity to serve, right? So uh, out of our relationship with the House of Friendship, they help newcomers to Canada find places to live. And so we've gotten calls from them to say, look, we've got a single mom and her three kids and they have an apartment and they need to move in two weeks. Can you help move them? Uh, and we've had a ton of Unites show up 
and get to know them and continue to develop relationships with them. We got one call the week of the move, just saying, look, things have fallen through. We need to get this mom and her and her children uh, out of the apartment and in. And that was on uh, Easter weekend, you know? So, (laughs) you know, you have Good Friday and then Saturday, we all show up with our trucks and a couple of trailers and and, uh, move the uh, mother and her kids into a townhouse. So there's, you know, th- that's been absolutely thrilling to be a part of and be able to make a tangible, noticeable difference in the lives of a few families. I think one of the cool stories is what happened starting last Thanksgiving. Was it last Thanksgiving? Yes, one of our one of our new friends walked through the doors at Thanksgiving. You might have to give some details, Evan, because I'm not clear on the beginning part of the story because we weren't around. Yes, uh, uh, she was just invited to show up at uh, an event that we were hosting where we were serving food. And uh, she was uh, told by one of the staff from House of Friendship, look for a guy named Evan and uh, they'll be able to help you. And so in she walked and uh, discovered it's a, 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 a pregnant mother who has a toddler. And um, she was living in an apartment, but she had nothing, no furniture. She had one mattress. Um, and she needed help. So it's Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know what it is about weekends and holidays, but anyway, we've been able to serve people in these moments and times. Uh, so we had a number of women uh, take time that weekend. And I mean, Unites, we put out the call and Unites donated utensils and a crock pot and furniture. <laughs> you know, someone was able to say, look, I've got a, I've got a couch we're not really using it here take the couch um we'll figure something out Mm -hmm. Uh, so just to see you know the generosity of uh people at una uh respond to a need in 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 literally a moment yeah uh was was absolutely thrilling and we continue there's women that still uh, get together with her uh she has since had her child Mm -hmm. and there were women from una who were in the hospital with her, uh, caring for her uh, before and after she had her baby. That's a really neat part of the story, I think. It, yeah, just how it all started. This woman, she walked through the doors of the community center knowing nobody and was told to go find these people. And we can sometimes, I think, get a little overwhelmed by the scope of need in the neighborhood and not know where to start. And there's just so much that can be done. Um, it's just neat that I think God does bring us the things we need to do. Right. If we're paying attention. So that, that day, like you covered, those women sprung into action. Yeah. <laughs> they really, they, they literally just went to this woman's house, filled it with the stuff she needed and have continued to stay in contact. And I'm, I was brought into that a little bit later on, but I got to meet um, this lovely Ethiopian woman and her child. And uh, we still have women that would drop everything just to take her to her doctor's appointments when she needed to go because she is alone. She had no one in the city. She knew nobody. She had nothing. And yeah, like you said, a couple of the women were able to be with her in the hospital as she was undergoing a C-section to give birth. And I was here a couple of months ago. Um, they, the women were celebrating her birthday and her daughter's birthday. And at the end of the night, she stood up and thanked all the women who were there in her broken English. 
trying to convey how deeply moved she was by the fact that when she came here, she knew no one, she needed help. And when the time came for her to give birth in a medically precarious birth, so it wasn't like a completely joyful occasion, she had women by her side holding her hand that she didn't know a few months prior. And they were there because they deeply loved her and she felt loved and she felt safe. And that, I, I mean, I cried when I heard that story and when I just sat and watched her face and watched how these women just surrounded her and loved her and, and looked at her as a person and not a need. Uh, that was pretty powerful. So yeah, I think one of our, our strengths is just keeping our eyes open um, to what God is bringing us to do. And we've stuck it out, right? Like yeah. We spent nine years loading gear in and out of a trailer on Sunday morning to be in the community center. Uh, the space uh, is recognized as if, you know, if we're here, we're going to trust that God's going to bring the right things at the right time. Uh, we just need to be here. So for leaders or even church planters, but people who are established leaders in churches who are, who are hoping to transition their community of faith toward a more neighborhood approach, um, what are, what's some advice that you might have for someone that's in that situation as a veteran leader? Ooh, a veteran leader. In the neighborhood. Mm, there you go. The first thing I would suggest is uh, begin to pray about it personally. Um, commit it to a conversation between you and Jesus. And then I would encourage uh, that leader or pastor to uh, get out into the neighborhood and meet with a local neighborhood association, meet with people who are uh, working with organizations in the neighborhood already and start to hear their stories and then get involved in some small way. You know, for me, when we moved to the Kingsdale area, it was something as simple as having a couple of meetings with the coordinator of the community center and then deciding every month on that evening, I'm going to sit in with the neighborhood association and just be present there and listen. And I'm not going to go in and be a major contributor. I just, I just want to be there and begin to say, you know, we're a church that meets here. We'd love to help. Uh, so that would be another word of advice uh, that I'd give, like get out into the neighborhood and hear the stories. And then out of the stories that you hear, then begin to tell stories that are your stories, not stories that you read about in a book or stories that you heard in a podcast. Like tell your stories and bring some people along with you so they can start telling stories about what they're hearing and experiencing in the neighborhood. And then I suppose here's where it gets a little more risky. I would invite people in the church to share ideas they may have about serving in the neighborhood. Uh, because here's the thing, I, I think that the Holy Spirit is active among God's people. And the Spirit is whispering and speaking and drawing and directing everyone that it's a part of your church community. So maybe God's been whispering by his spirit and giving someone an idea that it, all it takes is you inviting people who have unique ideas to bring them up and then support them and release them into it. And maybe go join them and, and see what happens. 
It starts with simple things. I think a lot of times in uh, our churches, we, we, we think so much according to programs that we wanna have the program and its concept all in place before we launch it. And the challenge with being uh, faithfully present in the neighborhood uh, means that you're gonna have to be uh, fluid. You're gonna have to be able to respond uh, quickly perhaps. Or you're going to have to be willing to allow something to emerge that right now you can't quite imagine. It has to emerge. Uh, and that's, I suppose, a different, that's a learned skill set. Like there's, there's, it's a different way of approaching ministry than that kind of established program driven you know, if you allow the Holy Spirit to move and move your people and move you, then things will emerge. And who knows, it might become this fantastic program that uh, is bringing life to people that are followers of Jesus in your community and drawing people to Jesus that are outside in your local neighborhood. Uh, and also just bringing goodness and helping people see what the kingdom of God looks like. But it's... it. I think it's an emerging thing. I, I think you have to be present and listen and tell stories. Take some risks. Let people try things and back them up. Like encourage them. Those would be the things I would suggest trying. Yeah, programs that are made in silos of thought don't generally tend to be the things that are most impactful when it comes to missional presence in a neighborhood. I think it... I think they emerge as people listen and then pay attention to what God's doing. We're all on mission. Your pastors are not the ones that are on mission. We are all on mission. And I think there's this sense sometimes that we have to wait to be told what to do or wait for the program to be put in place or wait even to be given permission to go and do something. But I really feel strongly that if you see a need... I think you might be the one that's being asked to step into that need. And you might have to ask for help. And you might have to do some hard work around thinking about creative ways of addressing it, especially if it's a, a you know, something that feels overwhelming. But I mean, it felt overwhelming to face a woman who had nothing in Kitchener and set her up so that she wouldn't fall through the cracks. But at the end of the day, it wasn't that overwhelming. We called... Uh, six or seven women who said, I'm in, and it happened. So I think people need to sense a, a more of a permission to go out and start doing these things because we can't wait. We can't wait to be given permission. We can't wait to be told this is a good thing. We already know it's a good thing. Yeah, so programs are not going to solve much, I don't think. <laughs> They're going to uh, burn people out but people knowing who they are and who Jesus is and what to do in light of that, that's what moves the needle. If we could see 10 years down the road of what Una might look like in the Kingsdale community, what would, you, what, what would, what would, what would that look like in your wildest dreams? Wow, I don't know. Uh... I anticipate in the next 10 years that there will be a story of one or two other church plants coming out of Una. I imagine that uh, we 
I mean, who, I mean, wildest dreams. We would find space that could be used strategically uh, in the neighborhood to complement what the city is doing and maintain those partnerships. That might be kind of cool. Uh, what I anticipate, though, is that Una continues to figure out new and fresh ways to serve Kingsdale. You know, one of the dynamics of the neighborhood is it's it's very transient. Uh, there's a lot of people coming and going in this neighborhood. There's a lot of newcomers. And so, you know, newcomers have unique needs. And, you know, we've, we've already, I mean, we're always throwing stuff against the wall. You know, what would it look like if we were to do, you know, this? So we've, we've had conversations around what would it look like if a group of Unites developed a business that could employ people who are newcomers to Canada and, and generate income for them because it, it could be hard to find a job. We've, we've kicked those ideas around. We've kicked, um, I don't know, we've kicked all sorts of ideas around. I think that's part of the fun, you know, of uh, planting and being involved in uh, missional uh, engagement in a neighborhood is, if, I mean, if you're willing to go there, you can, who knows the opportunities and the things that mm -hmm. may present themselves. So hopefully our values continue to direct us. We will continue to ask the question, what creative things could we do, right? That bring wholeness and a greater sense of peace and God's shalom in the neighborhood. Um, I don't know, man. I, I hope that in the next 10 years, let's imagine we're sitting here, Al, and we're holding microphones and we're, you know, we're, we're talking about 20 years, Al, 20 years. Hopefully we, 10 years from now, will look back and say, it's a good thing that we didn't have all the answers mm. to where we'll be in 10 years because the creative, powerful, moving God of the universe, uh, well, you know, he has a way of surprising us. Mm -hmm. And if we're tuned in, perhaps... Well, perhaps 20 years, well, 10 years from now, so at our 20th anniversary, we'll all be surprised looking back on this interview. I, that's what excites me the most, I think, is that we don't know, but we're trusting and anticipating it'll be something good. Well, thank you for your time, both Alana and Evan, for sharing the story of Yuda and the neighborhood work that we're doing in the Kingsdale Community Center and in that neighborhood. And thank you to the both of you for your leadership um, in, in Yuna and all the good things that are happening, and especially to Evan, who has been a great encouragement to many people and uh, a great partner in uh, walking out these, these values and having Yuna become a church that really is present in the neighborhood, in and for the neighborhood. Thank you. All right, that was L interviewing Evan Garst and Alana Johnson from Una Church in Kitchener. L, what were some of your takeaways from that conversation? Well, it was funny to do the interview because for me, it was a bit like walking down memory lane. So I've attended uh, Una for, oh my goodness, seven, just about maybe seven, eight years now. And so kind of watching Evan re recount the story of how we made some of these changes um, because we were once a church that was really focused on our neighborhoods for where, where we lived and Una was trying to come alongside of people in their own neighborhoods and we found that that even though it was a desire people weren't resonating with that as much they were being present with their neighbors but this collaborative effort just wasn't producing the fruit we'd hoped 
And so when we got involved in a neighborhood where we could serve alongside the city and serve with the house of friendship and create, um, connections in our community. It really, it changed our community for the better. Yeah, that's what's so fascinating. In the early days of church planting, and this is something that Evan and I have both experienced, we talk about in in design shops and any chance we get to train planters is sometimes the things you think are going to be what characterize your church plant at the start actually don't wind up bearing fruit in the way that you imagine. And when Evan and I were first thinking about what Unum might look like or how it might work, it was it was a collection of neighborhoods that we would be uh, uh, agents in and, and trying to, to help bring about. Because Evan did that well in his neighborhood. I was on the, in the process of doing that well in mine. and uh, But it didn't catch on. And, and what I love is um, when you see someone take an idea and adapt it, based on what's actually going in the context. And so, yeah, it's exciting to hear how those things develop uh, over time. So I hope that's something that, that people picked up uh, listening to this. What, what else was a, a standout for you, Elle? Um, Evan tried to get, or he did, he didn't try. He did give some helpful hints to pastors who, or planters who are looking to transition their church to a more neighborhood-focused, missional-focused um area of service. And I think some of the things that he talked about were really, even even as I was listening to them, I was, as I said, remembering it from my perspective and thinking, yeah, that's really true. He brought up things like surrendering control, because our church has a very unique opportunity to partner with the city. So a lot of times for these events and these things that we get to host, these dinners that we're a part of, um, it's not just our label on these pamphlets. It's also the city of Kitchener, also the House of Friendship. So we are one among many. And part of um, the learning curve for us has just been to release a little bit of control because we're not the only ones in charge. And what that looks like to partner with people in a deep way who actually are seeking the good of the neighborhood. Um, it's It's been interesting to watch. And one of my great takeaways was seeing people in our congregation um, really grab hold of this mission and releasing some of that to them, letting them join neighborhood associations or working alongside some of the community center staff. It's not all, it's not just Evan, it's a group of people. And I think um, those are some helpful helpful hints for pastors that it's not, it's not all on them to make all of this stuff happen. And when you kind of open up your hands, um, Lots of people want to get involved. So there's a lot of good tangible takeaways for me just remembering the story as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, really key. As, as we think about being church plants uh, for our neighborhoods, one of the things that uh, Christians often want to do, and I think it's a good impulse, we want to be hospitable to our neighbors. But one of the very powerful things that we can actually learn to do is how to be a guest and and to not be the one that sets the table. And it, it can be a little bit counterintuitive for um, for the way that we've shaped church culture, but it's a really important skill. And it, if you pay attention to the New Testament, you see how powerfully Jesus acts as a guest uh, at someone else's table. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a really great uh, piece of this. So, L, uh, we've got lots more coming up in our in our neighborhood um, 
uh, series. If people want to stay uh, connected to what's going on in the New Leaf Network, how can they do that? The best way to keep up with us is on our website. So that's newleafnetwork.ca. We're always trying to update it with events and trainings and all of the stuff that's going on. Um, we're pretty active on social media as well. So check us out there on Facebook and on Instagram. And when it comes to the podcast, we love telling your stories. These are the stories um, that are yours. And if you have someone that you know of that's doing great work in the neighborhood, interesting community-based stuff, or just in general, good things, we would love to hear about them. So tell on your friends. Let us know who they are. We would love to share their stories as well. Um, and if you like what you hear on the podcast, we wouldn't we would mind like a review. That would be all right. If you oh, I'd love gave that. us a review, um, even if it's uh, not a great review, let us know so we can get better. We would love to hear your feedback as we continue to tell these stories. And then, uh, L, if people want to stay further and foreign, we've got, we're on all the social medias. We've got, we've got ourselves a website uh, and, and everything. You know, events Even an page, email list. an email list. email list, and and hopefully in in these next twelve months, as you're listening to this, we're going to be coming to your city as as New Leaf continues to grow, and it just blows my mind how this uh, little idea you and I started a couple of years ago uh, continues to grow. There's a very good chance we're coming to your city, friends, and we would love to see you face to face. So pick a way to stay informed. Find us out there and hang out. We would love to meet you and we would love to hear your story in person. So uh, friends, that's all for today's episode and uh, stay tuned for the rest of this season on The Neighborhood. Thanks for listening and take care. Bye-bye. Bye friends.